3: Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much To Say. So this week's episode, I'm going to talk about control issues and um, whether or not I have them depends on your definition of control issues. I think all of us have control issues whether it's that you need too many or you give other people control because you don't want to make decisions for yourself because it scares you, there's a lot of different ways that we fight with control. And I think it's one of the most common themes in relationships and just, I don't know, the human experience. So for me, I was always called controlling. And I have figured out as I've gotten older that I don't really give a shit what other people do. I give a shit what other people do when it affects me, and I want to be the master of my own fate, the captain of my own shit, and (laughs) captain of my own ship, but shit as well, and honestly, if a bad decision is made for me, I'd like it to be made by me, because then I'm like, okay, well, you deserve that, but when bad things happen... And it's the result of somebody else's poor decision-making. That's not fair, and I hate it, and it brings me back to childhood trauma, as does everything. Um, also, I'm really, really sorry for where these episodes are going to go over the next few weeks. I just started weekly therapy again based on some um, family things that are happening that are pretty intense. And so I've had a lot of time for reflection. I've been journaling a lot. Um, So pardon the brief um, interruption in too much to say where it quickly becomes a (laughs) Kaylee assessing her trauma thing, which honestly it kind of has been the whole time if we're honest, but whatever. So controlling others versus controlling what happens to me. That's just been a recurring theme my whole life. And I think a lot of it, I'm going to dive into the concept of gaslighting, which is thrown around a lot. And isn't necessarily used correctly. I actually had a hilarious conversation with my Uber driver the other day. Um, where I, th- I think my boyfriend Sam, I said something like something about contradictory to him, and he was like, You're gaslighting me. And he was kidding. And she was like, I'm so tired of hearing that word. My daughter says it all the time, and she misuses it. And she was like, the funny thing is her and I have both been gaslit. So it's not like she needs to find a reason to feel like she's been gaslit. It's just she's totally getting it wrong. And I think a lot of us get it wrong. I think that's what happens when psychological terms become co-opted by the Internet, by Twitter, by TikTok, whatnot. I've been guilty of it. Everyone's been guilty of it. And we all just want to feel understood. We want to feel like we have a name for our experiences. It's makes, uh, there's this thing called schemas in your brain. I think I pronounced that correctly. schemas, schemas, whatever. And it's basically these little boxes that we put things into that make us understand them. So that's why when somebody's going through something, you have a friend giving you, like telling you about an experience they had, why you immediately try to relate with another experience you had that's similar. And sometimes that can backfire because the experience might not all be that similar. It might be apples and oranges. But the thing is, you only have a box for that you've only put one thing in and so you're just making new boxes is very difficult and usually uh, you have to make new boxes when you have trauma because you can't explain those things so we just want to have a name for the things that we go through It, it creates a little box and you're able to understand it that's why these things take off on TikTok I mean truthfully those little boxes are super helpful and sometimes they're very very valid usually they are very valid you know learning more about ADHD and how it's affected me throughout my whole life is a box. And I'm able to put a lot of things in there. Like when I would tell myself that I'm being lazy or I'm scatterbrained, or I'm, you know, basically a piece of shit and can't accomplish anything because I procrastinate all the time. Like obviously some of that's in my control. Nearly everything is at least somewhat in our control, but also it goes in the box called ADHD. And it's not about me learning to not procrastinate. It's about me learning The best ways to manage my ADHD. And so far, since I've started treating it, things have gotten a lot better. And, you know, I still have some of those things, but I don't really want to up my medication yet, whatever. But that is a box that's been very helpful for me. So sometimes we put things in the wrong boxes. So gaslighting is talked about a lot, and it's not somebody disagreeing with you. There's there's somebody manipulating facts and, and your perception of reality. That's gaslighting, and it's based off of this play. I'm nearly positive I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we have recurring themes, and in case you pop in and out of the podcast, I want to give you the um, the little recap. So I actually talked about the movie last time, But it's actually based on a play um, called Gaslight by Patrick Hamilton, and it was written in 1938. And it's really interesting because it's an expose on toxic masculinity, a dark tale of a marriage based on deception and trickery, and husband committed to driving his wife insane in order to steal from her. And that's insane because it was 1938, like way before we were talking about toxic masculinity. But this is the synopsis of it. Spoiler alert if you plan on watching or reading this, but it's kind of a spoiler if you know what gaslighting means anyway. So the play is set in fogbound London in 1880 at the upper middle class home of Jack Manningham and his wife Bella. It is late afternoon, a time that Hamilton notes as a time before the feeble dawn of gaslight and tea. Bella is clearly on edge and the stern approaches of her overbearing husband who flirts with the servants in front of his wife makes matters worse. What most perturbs Bella is Jack's unexplained disappearances from the house. He will not tell her where he's going and this increases her anxiety. It becomes clear that Jack is intent on convincing Bella that she is going insane even to the point of assuring her that she's imagining that the gaslight in the house is dimming. The appearance of a police detective called Ruff leads Bella to realize that Jack is responsible for her torment. Ruff explains that the apartment above was once occupied by one Alice Barlow, a wealthy woman who was murdered for her jewels. The murderer was never found. Jack goes to the flat each night to search for the jewels, and lighting the apartment's gas lights causes the lights to dim in the rest of the building. His footsteps in the supposedly empty apartment persuade Bella that she is hearing things. Ruff convinces Bella to assist him in exposing Jack as the murderer, which she does, but not before she takes revenge on Jack by pretending to help him escape. At the last minute, she reminds him that, having gone insane, she's not accountable for her actions. The play closes with Jack being led away by the police. Great, great storyline, right? But that's what it is. He's lying to her to get away with something to make her feel like she's gone insane. So ask yourself that if you're like, am I being gaslit? Is this person intentionally or maybe unintentionally? I mean, narcissists typically, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder that about shitty people. I'm like, do they know they're shitty? Is this just a pattern of behavior? Have they not done the work to realize that this is fucked up? Regardless of intention or not, it doesn't matter. They're trying to make you feel like you've gone insane because they know that they can get what they want easier if you question your reality. So I've thought about that a lot in regards to, you know, specifically my childhood. I feel like that was when the majority of the gaslighting that I'd experienced occurred. Definitely had some in relationships. And, um, but I think there's a difference. It has a really, really similar effect on you, but I don't know if you can call it gaslighting. I don't think you can fairly call it that, but there's gaslighting and then there's normalizing toxicity, which is making somebody feel like their feelings aren't valid on a topic. It's not so much, this didn't happen. It's you're overreacting or why would that bother you? Things like that, that are actually like super, super toxic. And the trendy definition of gaslighting is just, you know, an all encompassing thing, an all encompassing statement that covers all of that, but they are different. I think that maybe for me, the biggest, the one that had the biggest impact on me was the normalizing toxicity, which I do. I do think that is a brand of gaslighting. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment about how that has affected me and some personal examples that led to these control issues I'm talking about. All right. See you in a sec. Okay and we are back so when it comes to normalizing toxicity, there was a lot of stuff that happened in my family that it was like, well why would you be offended by that? why would that upset you and this happened my whole life and it made me feel really invalidated to the point where like now as an adult the first thing I do when something bad happens is I look at somebody near me who witnessed it or whatever and I say that's that's really fucked up right And they're like, yeah, that's really fucked up. I'm like, okay but I know when something's fucked up. I know when something hurts me. And I'm not batshit crazy. I don't overreact to things. Like sometimes I might have a really strong response to a trigger, which is another word that gets misused on Twitter a lot. Um, and I might over, like not, but overreacted like a tough term. And the concept of being dramatic, me and my therapist were talking about that. And we're like, it's not real. It, like if the definition of dramatic that we use is people blowing things out of proportion. But that's either one of two things. Either they're really sensitive and they had a strong emotional response to something and we should look to why they had such a strong response to something. Or they're a liar and they're manipulative and they're using their explosiveness to take out their anger on you or they're trying to project things back onto you or normalize toxicity because you called them out on something like dramatic doesn't exist. And, and we can't use that interchangeably to describe people who are sensitive and people who are manipulative because they are not the same thing. I saw something on Twitter the other day that was like, say, telling someone that made me sad is manipulative. And I was like, I don't like blanket statements like that. Because you are allowed to say, hey, when you cheated on me, that made me sad. That's not manipulative. Because truthfully, people who do shit like that don't really care if they make you sad. So if it's not effective manipulation, is it manipulation as a, at all? If a bear manipulates somebody in the woods and the person didn't notice, did it even happen? Or a tree? I don't know. I definitely messed up that metaphor. I think you get the joke. But f- as a kid, you know, I, w- I would see things around me like... You know, I, I posted, I've been posting a lot of TikToks kind of talking about this because trauma talk is a real thing and it's been really helpful for me. And I think that it's a really important way of, of feeling validated is sharing stories that sound similar to yours. And there's been times that, because regression or repression is a very real thing. And blacking out during trauma and then being reminded of it 20 years later is also a thing. It's not people lying. It's not people reaching for straws. It's that like your brain tries to protect you by helping you forget about these horrible things that happened, but it can only protect you for so long because you're going to find something that you already, that you discover that little schema box for. And you're like, oh wow, that reminds me of this thing. And I forgot about this box, but I just found it under the bed in my brain. And here we fucking go. So I would see things like this. So there's one thing I posted on TikTok was about when I was 14, my sister, who was a drug addict, um, she had just gotten out of prison again. She'd like about two years before. So I guess not just got out of prison, but she was out of prison. She just had a baby and we were driving to Walmart in Maine or in New Hampshire in a snowstorm. And it was really I mean, it's just scary to drive in the winter in New England anyways, but we're driving there and she has a giant cup that I thought was like juice or whatever. And I just like took a sip of it when she wasn't looking and it was all vodka and like a splash of pineapple juice. And she's driving with her, you know, six to nine month old baby in the backseat. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm 14 and she's swerving, whatever we get to the store. And then on the way back, I was like, Hey, remember how you promised me that you would teach me how to drive? What if we did that right now? And she was so fucked up on whatever she'd, you know, had that day that she thought that was a good idea to let a 14 year old drive for the first fucking time in a snowstorm. And I felt more confident in my ability to get us home than I did hers. And so I drove like 10 miles an hour on these back roads and she just didn't even notice and then I I told one of my parents about this and I was like hey I think she's using again this happened blah 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 and they were just like why would you think that's a big deal and I'm like well I don't know I just feel like there's an infant and, and, a, and a child's life being um, put at risk but I mean maybe, maybe you're right maybe that's normal maybe that happens to everybody yeah. and then just nothing happened of it again and I did end up getting an apology from that parent after she passed being like, Hey, you saw the, um, you saw the, the warning signs here and yeah, we, we just ignored you. I'm like, yeah, you did. Um, and then there was another time involving her and like, I don't have any anger. I mean, she's passed away obviously, but having a family member who's an addict, it's, she wasn't herself, like, and I've chosen to remember her as who she was at her best and not who she was when she was on drugs because it just wasn't her. Um, but one of the biggest things that happened in, to like kind of distance me from my family was around the same time, I was probably, it's probably later in the year. I think that was the winter I was 14. This would have been like the summer spring. Um, my, one of my parents had had, my parents are very odd with money, and, and one of them had a um, some money scrolled away in the walls, like cash in the freaking wall, and it went missing. I had known, because of what had happened earlier in the year, that my sister was using again, and she had sold... All of like my grandma's heirloom jewelry and, and stolen it and and anything that was around the house that was val- valuable she'd steal and and use to buy drugs, and so to me it felt very logical and very simple to conclude that the drug addict sister probably took the money, but her in her you know in her uh, the throes of addiction told um told my, my parent that she, like, that I had taken it. And I remember being on the phone with them and being like, um, okay, so I'm, I'm a middle schooler going into, I'm like, I'm a seventh grader, eighth grader. No, I was going into ninth grade. I was going into ninth grade. I'm like, I'm not even in high school yet. Don't you think that maybe people would notice if I'd stolen money? Because, like, wouldn't I be using it to buy things? Like, I I was like, I'm, I'm st- I'm a teenager. Like, teenagers can't hide things like that. Do you think I would have gotten my hair done or gotten a pair of Ugg boots or something? And there was just no, like, there was no arg- arguing with that person. And um, It just, it really, really sucked, and it was really hurtful, and so I just was like, fine, I'm not going to talk to you. Bye. Um, if you don't trust me. But that was, I don't know what exactly to call that, but it's definitely a form of, it's like my, them choosing to believe something that they know is a lie. And again, I got an apology for this as well, but because it's easier than facing the actual truth. And so I guess maybe they were being gaslit by my sister a little bit. I don't know what to call it, but I just felt like all these decisions were being made that were affecting me and my my safety you know, with the whole car thing, um, affecting other people's opinions on me, ruining my relations with my my dad, and none of it was my choice. Like, I didn't do anything. I did not do fucking anything. And I still really struggle with that when something bad happens to me, and I didn't do anything to deserve it. If I did, and I've talked about this on a podcast episode where I was like, you know, it's, sometimes it's easier to be the bad guy. It is, because it was my choice. If I walk into a situation and I'm like, yeah, this could backfire, I was prepared for it. If I'm just sitting around doing absolutely fucking nothing and I get blindsided by a horrible consequence for an action I did not make, I'm going to be fucking pissed. Nothing upsets me more than that. And so I definitely, like, that's where I think the control quote unquote issues come from. But I had this recurring dream and I wrote a song about it. Um, called backseat and it was about being like, okay, so I would be driving down a hill and one of my parents would be in the front seat, maybe sometimes one of my siblings and I'd be in the seat cause I was probably about nine or 10 when this would happen. I still have it sometimes, but we'd be going down a hill and then all of a sudden the parent or, or guardian figure would disappear. And I'd be in the backseat, I didn't know how to drive, and I was terrified, and I'd have to try to get up in the front seat in enough time to save the car from crashing. And I had this all the time, like as a little kid, which in retrospect breaks my heart because it's so telling of, of what my emotions were, and I didn't even know how to name them, but I had this dream that was explaining all of it. And so I wrote this song called Backseat, which um, you guys can listen to, it's on my EP awake but yeah it's just about feeling out of control and it's like I just put my headphones on um, all I all I hear is a song choices are made but nobody asks me I watch my life from the backseat and just horrible decision making you know when my parents are fighting over custody I didn't get any say in that um, I was homeschooled like I talked about last week I didn't get any say in that um, I wouldn't I wasn't able to get a driver's license, which I've also talked about because my like parents or my mom was like, no, cause she wanted me to be dependent on her and that sucked. And I was just like, wow, I can't make any choices for myself. So the second I could start making choices for myself, like I remember my mom had been like, well, if you want to do this, then go get a job. And so the next day I went and I got a job and then I came back and told her and she was really upset with me because I quote unquote hadn't asked her. And I was like, well, you told me to go get one. I solved the problem and then she tried to get me to like quit before I started and I was just like no like what are you gonna do and I think that that was also like she wanted me to rely on her for money because she could control me more it's really fucked up it's really fucked up shit and if any of you guys relate to this I'm super sorry because it just really was shitty and so then she acted surprised when I moved out my senior year of high school the week I turned 18 but I'm like no of course I moved out I wanted to have some sort of autonomy over the decisions being made for me and my life improved drastically when I lived on my own even though I had to figure out how to pay rent and graduate high school and work this job actually I was working two jobs it was still better because I couldn't I could make these decisions for myself and yeah I just hate thinking about those times where I just couldn't control anything So I think having your concept of reality and what emotions are valid and all of that is, is a way of being controlled. Um, they, I mean, the, as the play talks about, gaslighting is a really, it's a really controlling thing. You're trying, to, you're trying to manipulate and control someone's relationship with reality and with facts. And that's so fucked up. And it'll really, really hurt someone's psyche, especially a child. Um, Also, on the topic of normalizing toxicity and and how that plays into all of this, being reactionless when someone comes to you with a problem is also really bad. And that's a similar... it, It all falls under the umbrella of gaslighting, although it's definitely a different thing. But, you know, I would come to my parents with these issues and they'd just be like, Yeah, okay. And I just remember being like, "This isn't normal, right? Like, this can't be normal." Especially when it came to the hoarding thing, which I've gotten into a little bit. But I'd be like, "I don't think it's normal for our house to look like this." And my parents would be like, "What?" Because they were—they're were both hoarders separately, which is weird because when they were together, they weren't really hoarders. So I have no idea how this happens from a psychological standpoint. But I would just be like, "Why doesn't our house look like my friend's houses? Like, why can't? Why do I have to clear a path to walk to the bedroom?" And they'd be like, "What do you mean?" And I'm like, well, this just doesn't feel very, very normal. And they're like, well, what's normal? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> and then just, yeah. And I, as I slowly, you know, figured things out, I was like, yeah, that's not normal. But it takes a lot for me, even now, to validate my own emotions. And I'm constantly looking for somebody to agree with me that something's fucked up. And, I had all these opinions about my childhood and how things went down, and you know this feeling that something wasn't right and something was bad. And it took my best friend Candy Carpenter going home with me for my sister's funeral, and and seeing the hoarding house and seeing the dysfunction and seeing how my mom tried to make the entire funeral about herself, even though it wasn't even her child. All of this shit, it like she had she was like Kaylee, this is so bad. I'm like, really? I, I felt like it was. You really think so? And she's like yeah, you fucking like what? And, um, I shouldn't need that. I shouldn't need that validation that my, my life was awful because deep down we know, and you have to trust your gut. And I'm always talking about that. Trusting your intuition. My intuition isn't wrong when I meet somebody and I'm like, Hmm, this person might be shitty. And then I force myself to be friends with them anyways. Cause I'm worried that I'm being a bitch. That person is always shitty. And sometimes you can tell when somebody isn't, they're just going through a really hard time, but I, you know, still need to trust my instinct to distance myself from that person until they get their shit together. So, and you, you have, it's okay to have control over that. There's this thing called boundaries for a reason. Again, another trendy word that is commonly misused, but your boundaries are about how people can treat you and about what you allow. And my thing Oh, can you guys hear the music? The neighbor downstairs just started. Good Lord. Oh my God. This is my third time trying to record this podcast because of the neighbor. And I just, I just can't be bothered with complaining. I just really don't want to. And I don't want to get into an embroiled neighbor battle. I just don't have it in me. I have too many other sources of conflict. So I hope you enjoy the background music. Any fucking ways. So boundaries are like, okay, well, if you treat me like that, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. It's it's not like you can't treat me like that. It's like you don't get to and expect me to stick around. And so it, it's hard and it'll make you feel guilty and people will tell you you have control issues because you're trying to control their behavior. You're not. You're not at all. You're not saying like... And I have this friend who just would not stop talking shit about me to people that were like wildly inappropriate to be talking shit like about like family members of my boyfriend and other friends and people in professional settings and just all this stuff. And it always kept coming back to me. And I was like, yo, can you, can you just please like, can you please not do that? Or can you like, if you need to vent about me, find somebody that isn't like really close to me or a professional connection. Cause this person wasn't in the music industry at all. And they were like, you can't control me. And I'm like, okay, but you can't expect me to be your friend after you've been talking shit about me. I was just saying like, Hey, if you can stop, we can solve salvage this friendship. And I wasn't even saying stop talking shit about me. I was saying, stop talking shit about me to these people where I could have consequences for how you're talking shit about me because it's not really accurate. Like don't go blabbing to family members, you know, cause that becomes rumors and that's all this. It's just a nightmare and they just couldn't. So I was like, fine. All right, well, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. And um, yeah. And then there's times that people make bad choices for themselves. And I'm like, okay, fine. If you want to do that, whatever, I don't care. But then when I know that the fallout is going to come back on me, like let's, I'm trying to think of an example that's not just like way overly exposing of a person. Um, somebody, somebody chooses to date somebody that I know is awful. Um, oh, okay. I had a, this is a good example. I had a friend who was dating this guy and I didn't like how he treated her for sure, but I was like, fine, if you want to deal with this. Cause like the other thing is like, it's annoying when somebody keeps making bad decisions and then your consequences are you have to listen to it 24 seven and they won't take any advice and they don't care to like stop it. And, and that's where the boundaries is it's like, okay, fine. If you want to keep dating this person, like, i'll I'll be around them whatever doesn't bother me but like find somebody else to complain to because i don't want to be the receiving end of this stupid like i don't want to be the receiving end of all this anxiety and all that when you're not going to change it when you're ready to ask for advice that you're going to take fine but that's upsetting because it can waste a lot of time like a lot Like, people can go on for hours about this stuff. And then the next day be like, well, we got back together. And I'm like, well, then why did you waste hours of my time talking about how you were done with them? Like, ugh, leave me out of it, you know? But so I had kind of, like, I was like, okay, I don't like how he treats you, but whatever. I'll still hang out with him. So we hung out with him one time in front of a large group of professional um, acquaintances and, like, coworkers in the music industry. And they were like, you know, Pretty, pretty high up people whose I cared about what my reputation was in that setting. And this guy got really drunk and I don't want to say put his hands on her, but he was like kind of rough with her in, in a joking way, but it was just really disrespectful. Like I don't, I don't think she viewed it as that. I don't think in, like, but somebody who didn't know them would have viewed it as that out of context. And they were like, who the fuck is this guy? And I was like, um, and I didn't want to be associated with him because I was like, this reflects so badly on me. And he was like falling off the bar stool and it was just like a nightmare. So I had to have this conversation with her where I was like, hey, like, I love you and I'll be your friend, but... I don't want to be around him in professional settings because it reflects badly on me. And you can do whatever you want. You can date him. She's like, we're trying to control me and tell me who I can date. I'm saying, no, I'm just not going to be associated with that because it could have repercussions on people's opinions of me. And that's fair. I was like, I'll be your friend. I just don't want to be around your stupid boyfriend. Guess what? They broke up. I think he's actually figured his shit out, but she once had a person come up to her at a bar. And like out of nowhere, just this old lady come up to her and be like, just so you know, honey, they never end up with the one who fixed them. And she wasn't even with her boyfriend. It was just totally unprompted. And that is so true. They never end up with the one who fixed them. So remember that. Um, But yeah, like those are, those are boundaries you're allowed to set and don't let people think that it's normal. Don't let people think it's normal to like, you can be there for a friend and let them vent and support them and, and care about their concerns. But there's a threshold for that where you're just enabling, and these people are exploiting your time and your energy and your resources, and they're making no choices to better their situation, and that is just simply not your problem. So you can't control them, but you can control what you put up with. So moral of the story, I think the, the concluding statement here is I don't think I have control issues. I think that I have, like, I have a deep need for control as an adult because I never had it as a child and I just want to be able to protect myself and my energy and my reputation and protect myself from bad things happening as much as I can. So when that choice is taken away from me, I get really upset and that feels fair. So If you've been in this situation, don't let people tell you you have fucking control issues and don't let them tell you you're being controlling when you're setting boundaries because it's just not the same thing. Uh, Thank you guys so much. I feel like I need to close every episode being like, thank you for coming to my TED Talk, but um, thank you for coming to my podcast. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Kaylee Shore and this is Too Much To Say.